0: The answer,
2: Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you so very much. Nine minutes after 10 o'clock on this Wednesday, the 10th morning of the 7th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Thanks again to Michael Johns, who joined us last half hour from the National Tea Party, talking about the United States Census and the continuing efforts of both the legislature and the judicial branch to stop President Trump and the executive branch from asking a very simple question. Who's here legally, and who here isn't? And, and, and quite frankly, they're not even saying who, because that would, that would denote you know identity, which, of course, might freak the illegal aliens out if they have to identify themselves as being here illegally. So I shouldn't even say who, just how many. Are you a citizen or not? Your anonymity is going to be protected. It's just, are you a citizen or are you a non-citizen? Are you here as a citizen, or excuse me, as a non-citizen legally? They're not even going to try to figure that out. They're not even going to try to figure out who's here legally and who here isn't, or who is here illegally. It's just citizen or not. They can't come and get you for simply that question, uh, you know, because you identify yourself. You don't even identify yourself, but you acknowledge that you're not here, uh, not here as a citizen. You can be here legally, but not here as a citizen. So that's a big question. Obviously, President Trump. And Attorney General Barr, they have their work cut out for them in trying to get this thing added on the census by next year. The courts are working against them. The left in the Congress is working against them. And the American people need to be heard about this. Let's go to Chardon. I want to welcome John to our program on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, John. Go right ahead.
3: Hey, morning, Bob. Hope you're feeling better soon. Uh, Um,
2: Yeah, so do I. Trust me. My, my my entire family, well, not my entire family, but my wife and daughter have been battling bronchitis and coughing up in my home for the last two weeks, almost three weeks. Oh, they have just man. had nonstop coughing, so I knew the germs are flying around, and you know how it goes. Summer, you know, you're all trapped yeah. inside, air conditioning on, windows closed, so you're not getting any fresh air, <laughs> and it just, it all catches up to you sooner or later, but we'll be yeah. all right.
3: Okay. The question on the census battle we're in right now is a great example of the depths the Democrats have sunk to as they grasp for anything, to uh, legitimate or not, to gain traction in the election the, a year from November. The only way the Democrats have any chance of winning is to keep uh, the open borders going and follow it up with massive election fraud a, a year from November. And isn't... Isn't that pathetic? As your colleague, as your colleague Dennis Prager says, truth is not a left wing value.
2: Yeah. Well, in fact, I would take that a little bit further and say truth is uh, something that is very um, uh, contrary to left wing values. They they do not value truth. They do not. Um, uh, they do not uh, believe in honesty. They do not believe in intellectual honesty, uh, and they will do just about anything for power, especially this version of the left which is so much further left than what we have come to know as the left in previous years. I mean, even even, you know, 19 years ago in 2000, Al Gore's version of liberalism and the the Democrat Party's version of liberal, liberalism was so incredibly tame compared to the quote liberal progressives today. Um back then Al Gore, Bill Clinton before uh uh him, um And most of the prominent Democrats in the Congress at that time, including Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, we've played these clips for you again and again. Barack Obama, even much more recently, just a few years ago, uh, they all argued against illegal immigration. They all argued for strong borders. They all argued for making sure that we know who's in the United States legally and who isn't, making sure that the crime and the drugs that flow across our border that Donald Trump brought up in uh, 2015 – they all brought up prior to that making sure that this was something that was under control. Today, you can't say those things. You ever notice how quiet Barack Obama is these days on matters of immigration? Because if he even tries to come out and say the things that he said when he was president and when he was running for president about controlling the borders, oh my gosh, he'll make enemies of all of the, of the uh, uh, powerful uh, leftists that are currently in, in Congress and all of those who are running for president. That's why he's silent. Bill Clinton can't say anything about illegal immigration. Because Bill Clinton, throughout the 1990s, declared that we absolutely have to control our border. We need barriers. They even argued for barriers. And leftists, uh, in the, um, in the Congress in 2000s agreed with George W. Bush who wanted funding for border barriers, border walls, fences, whatever you want to call them. Today, that has changed so very much. You cannot even begin to get them to, to, um, uh, to discuss such things, let alone move forward on them. That's intellectual dishonesty, and that's what they own. T.J., Cleveland. Go ahead, T.J.
3: Yeah, you know, Bob, this racism issue and bigotry, you know, these are two different things. And the way I was learned it a couple years ago, a few years ago, true racism is you have to have power over a group of people, the power to hire, the power to fire, who you're going to serve to, who you're going to rent to. That's racism. If you don't like someone because of their race, you're a bigot. Now, one thing, in, you're right, in America, racism is still practiced, and it's mostly practiced by the government, institutionalized racism. If you're a white man and you go for a government job, and you don't get that job, even though you're the most qualified, that's racism. That is the true thing of racism. The government's using their power to knock you down to take someone else. So when it comes to racism, I don't think it's practiced in the private sector so much anymore, but it is definitely practiced by the government every day.
2: I think it is also practiced in the private sector. I don't disagree with what you said about the government. That's a fine example, but I'll give you another example in the private sector. There was a concert of some sort for young artists up in Detroit this past weekend, and the tickets, uh, this became available online, Tickets. ticket prices were listed. And the ticket prices for early bird... P.O.C. were ten dollars. Early bird, non-P.O.C. twice the price at twenty dollars. Regular PLC, admission, walk up. I'll tell you in a moment if you don't know what P.O.C. means. Regular walk up price is twenty dollars for P.O.C. Non-P.O.C. forty dollars. P.O.C. Called, stands right? for person of color. In that other words, if you're point. black or Hispanic, ten bucks. If you're white, twenty bucks literally discriminating against people on ticket sales, ticket pricing rather, based on the color of their skin. So absolutely right. Racism can work in many, many different directions, black to white, white to black, private, public, government, etc. It absolutely exists, TJ, and there's just no denying it.
3: Yeah, it does. But it only exists on one side anymore, what it seems like. You know, if it was the reverse thing. Yeah, the crap would hit the fan. You know that.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that 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 is that is 100 percent true. And that's what people online pointed out. I did as well. If there was a a concert of any kind or a or an event or a symposium, it doesn't matter if you're selling lemonade and it said 50 cents white people, a dollar black people and you forget about it. I mean, it's 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 over. Uh, But this kind of stuff does go on. And uh, that's that's why uh, it's so important for me anyway. And I think to anybody who's thinking rationally about this, to expose all examples of it so that the one side that gets reported by CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, and so on and so forth, doesn't get to be accepted as fact. The only thing they want to show is examples of white racism towards minorities and not minorities toward white people.
3: Well, that's their agenda, and that's the left-wing agenda. And CNN, no they're all in, the, in league together with that. It's no no question,
2: question about it. it. TJ, TJ, thanks for the call, my friend. I want to get my an early time out this hour because I want to come back on the other side and update you on a story that we did yesterday. Yesterday, I spoke to Judy Mazur of the Suburban West Right to Life group that has been trying to get back to the, uh, the Fairview Park Summerfest Festival and Parade. Um, that they had been a part of for 22 years. And now this is the second year in a row that they have been denied a booth in that space. And I've got an update for you because I reached out to one of the Summerfest committee representatives, if you will, and had a very interesting exchange that I'll share with you coming up next on AM 1420 The Answer.
0: Bob France, here on AM 1420 The Answer. 10:35
2: 10:35 onward we roll. Voice is actually feeling a little better right now, a sounding a little bit better as well. I don't know if it just took a while to get loosened up, but um, uh, thanks for pushing through all the raspiness. And I apologize if and when it returns in these last 25 minutes of our broadcast. Uh, you can make it easier on me, as I said before, by picking up the pace on the phone calls. 216-9-01-0945. <clears throat> Triple eight two eight one eleven ten. The more you talk, the less I have to, and the less uh, my voice will get uh, ravaged. Uh, but I do want to finish re- finish reading to you the exchange that I had with the attorney representing the Fairview Park Committee, the Fairview Park Summerfest Committee, which has declined the application for a booth to the Suburban West Right to Life Group that had a booth without any hassles whatsoever, any problems for twenty two years at their festival. The attorney explained that they don't want any group that could be controversial, and since the Planned Parenthood people also uh, applied for a booth, they were afraid of having a conflict between the two, so they turned both of them down. My invitation to the attorney, Mr. Hom, to come onto this program was denied, declined. I asked him if he would come on and discuss this with me, because it didn't make sense for me as to why they would deny the Right to Life group a booth, when it's not the right to lifers who cause problems and um, foreseeable conflicts. And the attorney, just I'm recapping this for those who just turned the radio on. The attorney said to me that there's a legal, uh, you know, in law they have a concept called foreseeability. If there's a foreseeable problem between two groups, we nip it in the bud and not let the two groups come. And my response to that was, again, since he wouldn't come on the air with me, we exchanged messages online um, my point was, let's talk about foreseeability then. is if does the committee consider past actions on the parts of these two sides um, when when trying to foresee future actions? Because if so, as I pointed out, um, you've never seen a right to life group, a pro-life organization trampling, destroying, Um, and and aggressively challenging Planned Parenthood displays. They've never done it. There are plenty of examples and videos online of pro-choicers, Planned Parenthood supporters, trashing right-to-life displays, particularly if those displays include literature that show, for example, the various stages of human gestation. First trimester, second trimester, and so on and so forth. They don't want to see babies in the womb because... Well, it, it essentially, you know, shines the spotlight on the fact that they're killing them. So they attack pro life displays all the time. So my question to the attorney representing the committee is: Why doesn't the committee consider those past actions when you are applying foreseeability here? Because you can foresee the Planned Parenthood people doing something aggressive and violent, and and uh, something that might be considered vandalism. You cannot foresee the pro-lifers doing that because they've never done it. His response was, we don't want any disturbances at the festival by either side. We don't want shouting matches, protests in front of booths, vandalism or any other disturbance. We believe each side should respect our wish and understand our position. And again, my response is, when only one side engages in shouting matches, protests, vandalism and disturbances, why would you ban the other side as well? Why wouldn't you just ban the side that engages in that? His response was, it's clear to me now that you are an advocate for one side of this issue and not an unbiased journalist, I am ceasing all further communication with you on this matter. My response is, I am clearly on the side of pro-life, yes, sir, but I have not made one inaccurate statement in my conversation with you. If I have, please advise me on which one it was. And then I repeated my request for the Planned Parenthood denial letter. Now, that part, in case you're wondering why I wanted to see it, I talked to Judy Mazur on the air yesterday about it from Suburban West Right to Life, and I said, I smell a rat. I smell a, hey, they probably didn't even get an application from the Planned Parenthood people to have a place at that festival. They they probably just said they did in order to say we banned both of you. Uh, and I'll pick it up from there. The response from the attorney was, I normally would not honor your request for the letter I sent to Planned Parenthood. However, I want to end this matter. If you provide me your email address, I will send a copy of the letter to Planned Parenthood immediately. That will be my last communication with you. Now, I would, again, in my fair and honest journalism, uh, I will tell you, he did send me a letter, and it looks like he did exactly what he said he did, and that there was a Planned Parenthood uh, request for a boot, so... I was incorrect in my assumption that there was not. So he provided that for me, and I told him I appreciate that. But then asking, why are you ceasing our peaceful conversation? Has this not been a civil exchange? The attorney says, this is my final communication on this matter. I have only intended my communications to explain the committee's position. Again, I asked, would you kindly explain why correspondence with me is so upsetting to you? My status as a radio host does not drive my belief in pro-life causes. And my belief in pro-life causes does not undermine my status as a radio host. Call it honest journal- journalism or whatever you want to call it, I approach this issue and every other one with provable facts, not wild opinions. And this was a fact I was confident he would have observed with me had he conducted an interview on this matter, but he decided not to. So that's that was the end of our communication. He has chosen not to respond to me anymore. That's fine. I respect it. I told him I respect your decision not to do that, and I will report on this fairly and accurately, which I just did. So, essentially, the bottom line is this. At least in the case of the Fairview Park Committee, they are willing to silence a peaceful side or a group that represents, a peaceful group that represents one side of a controversial issue because of the legitimate foreseeable fears of aggressive, potentially uh, violent, and vandalizing actions of the other side of an issue. And you might say, well, so what? It's one festival. Do you honestly think this is only going on in one place? I'd like to know. I know there are a lot of pro-life people who listen to this program. If you represent an organization like Suburban West Ride to Life, And you do make it your mission, as part of our mission, and I mean that in the religious sense of the word, to, again, provide information. That's all that uh, these groups do at festivals and at gatherings, public gatherings. If it is part of your mission to do these things, tell me if you've been denied access, and tell me your experiences. Because it's my belief that if this is happening in one place, it's happening in many places, Peaceful pro lifers are being shut down in public squares, or the public square writ large, um, because of the violent actions of the pro abortion side. We have seen countless videos online of pro abortionists attacking pro life displays, trampling, knocking over tables, trampling on posters, and things that depict, uh, as I said, uh, you know, various stages of human gestation in the first, second, and third trimesters. They don't like being reminded. They don't like being told, uh, you know, and, and visually it, it displayed, you know, what they are doing, what they are engaging in, the destruction of those lives. So they have attacked. And because they have attacked, the side that gets attacked isn't allowed to be there. Tell me how you feel about that. And if you've been a part of something like that, give me your experiences, please. 216 1110 Esther in Cleveland, go ahead.
4: Thanks. So many things. uh, Some of this relates to Dennis Prager's statement that anything the left touches, it ruins. So it's ruined Fairview Park's uh, party, shall I say. I I remember mentioning uh, some of the things I observed about the first Women's March in D.C. Well, what I did not mention two years ago was that I saw a photo online. I I took it, uh, well, kind of with a grain of salt, but I I realized it probably was true that I saw a pile, a photograph of a pile of pro-life Uh, signs that had been torn up. And that was the March 2017, soon after the uh, inauguration, that the uh, pro-lifers were not allowed in the Women's March. So I I believe that the signs were torn up by the pro-abortionist that's that's one thing that's uh, what I, always
2: happens that is what always happens which is why when the, the attorney presented me with his foreseeability argument which i understand that is their job to try to foresee potential problems um, let's look at history as an indicator of the future and historically that is what has happened
4: Yes, regarding history, I was thinking of the the cliché it says, I'm putting in the word people to emphasize something I want to say about the Constitution. Uh, If people don't learn from history, people are doomed to repeat history. And I think of uh, uh, the uh, most referred to parts of the Constitution that I've heard across the country in the past two years. Uh, The fourth article, early on, it refers to citizens, and then it suddenly changes to person, that's the fourth article, and then people are referring also to the uh, Ninth Amendment and the I'm sorry, Tenth Amendment, when the uh, uh, certain powers were reserved to the states, Tenth Amendment, and then the Ninth Amendment. If something's not enumerating the Constitution, then they don't want to disparage other rights. And then another one they're uh, referring to quite frequently is the Fourteenth Amendment. So if people were, to, if our listeners were to look at the Ninth and Tenth amendments and also the 14th and see how the words person and citizens are used Uh, then also think of the way that uh, people are talking about fake news taking things out of context well think of the constitution in the way that the words person and citizens maybe are being yanked out of context so people misunderstood what the founders wanted history to repeat itself through the constitution um I uh, also think It's a of- very
2: good point. It's a very <laughs> good point and those definitions those, those definitions are, are extraordinarily important to get right and to remember exactly what they intended. Uh, by persons um, And thank you, I appreciate it Esther. I'm going to get a quick time out here Because I want to come back and take more phone calls this, Calls on this rather uh, From all sides If you have a, and a story to share If you've experienced and seen any of the things we're talking about As it pertains to the issue that I've been discussing uh, With pro-lifers being attacked Pro-life displays being attacked by pro-choice Planned Parenthood supporters uh, and, and beyond that I would love to hear from you 216 Right back after this
0: kra.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast the sun,
4: I'm the air. 1049
2: now the Bob France Authority continues final segment on this Wednesday thanks so much for being with us we're talking about a local issue today at least in this last hour. <clears throat> related to um, uh, pro-lifers and the right-to-life organizations being shut down and being blocked from festivals and other pu- uh, areas of the uh, public square, if you will. <clears throat> because of concerns of controversy and conflict with the pro-abortionists, the side that always provide the conflict and the attacks and the trampling of, of uh, tables and the shouting and the shaming and so on and so forth. These things have gone on for a long time now, and it's costing people their opportunity to express freely, that's right, freedom of expression, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, their belief in pro-life causes. Mike is in Cleveland. Thanks for waiting, Mike. I appreciate that. You're on the air. Go right ahead.
3: Hello Mike. Part of pro- Hello. Yes you sir, I got you. Go ahead. No violence on the part of uh, pro-life people. Uh, yet have you forgotten bombs put in abortion clinics and abortion doctors murdered even in church?
2: Those are, not, no, those are not Those are not Those are not Those are not right to life organizations or those who march in uh, the March for Life for example like my daughter did and those kinds of things. You know as well as I do. Those are anti Those those are those are terrorists, and those have nothing to do with the displays and the types of people who are handing out literature at parades. This is what they do: is they hand out literature to people who are interested.
3: I'm sorry. How do you know those people didn't march in pro uh, pro life events? Those murderers and those bombers. Well, well. Assuming that.
2: Well, well. Here's the here's the reason we know: because look at the events. Find me videos of people at pro-life booths, at fairs, and at festivals, and at parades who are doing anything even remotely aggressive to anybody. Then I will show you, because you won't find any, I will show you the countless numbers of examples of the Planned Parenthood crowd, the pro-murderers, the pro-baby killers, who are coming up and trashing the, 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 the tables and the sets and the displays of the pro-lifers who are handing out literature to people who are interested. I can show you dozens of examples. If you can show me one example of a pro-life group causing a problem on one of these events, then we can talk about it. Well,
3: I can give you examples of pro-life people murdering.
2: You're doing. You're you're changing the subject entirely, Mike. It's what you people do, and I expect it from you. It's okay. Uh, You can. You can. You can just be yourself, and I'm glad you are because it's what I expect. But what you're doing is changing the subject. We are talking about simple displays at events that 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 are being deemed to be controversial because of the violent actions of one side at these types of events. Violence and vandalism, shouting aggressive posturing, all of these things, I can show you countless examples. They're available online. Just search for them. Of, of Planned Parenthood trying to, to destroy the peace by attacking the pro-life organizations, literally, physically. Physically and verbally. But sadly, uh, oftentimes physically. Find me one example of people in a peaceful church group And you're going to try to equate people with the suburban West right to life, for example, with nut jobs that bomb clinics, which, of course, is wrong. You're going to try to equate those with one another? I mean, seriously, that's that. Again, I I shouldn't say I shouldn't say that with such a questioning tone, because I know that's what you do. I know that's what the left does. I know what the people who are pro and by the way, I do find it a little hypocritical, however, that people who are advocating for the right to murder babies by the scores are going to take such a, an extraordinary, uh, uh, extraordinarily offended stance at uh, the murder being committed by those psychotic terrorists. At least on our side of the divide, we can condemn murder on all sides. We condemn the murder of the innocent. We condemn the murder of the unborn, and yes, we condemn the murder by people uh, who are upset with the laws and upset with the baby killers. We condemn their murder by the psychopaths with bombs that, that he was talking about. On their side, the only thing they condemn is the latter. They don't condemn the murder of literally hundreds of thousands of innocent babies per year in the United States, particularly by Planned Parenthood. But again, this is just what we have come to expect from them. So again, if you, if you just turn on the radio and you don't know what we're talking about, and I'm going to bring this up again tomorrow, I may, may even look for another committee member to come on since the attorney uh, representing the Fairview Park Summerfest uh, committee is, uh, is unwilling to come on the air and discuss this with me. I'll maybe reach out to another committee member. But tomorrow, I want to try to reach out also to other Right to Life groups who have had applications rejected, who have had booths closed, who have had opportunities to simply spread their message of pro-life causes, present people with literature that might offer people in various positions of unplanned pregnancy who might be considering uh, various alternatives. Hey, there are other alternatives to what you are thinking. Here you go. If you don't want it, it's okay. We won't force it on you. See, that's what pro-life groups do. They present information to the willing, to the interested. They do not jam it down anybody's throat. And that is, of course, the exact opposite of what Planned Parenthood has done when they continue to attack. So I want to, I'm going to bring this up on tomorrow's program as well and see if we can get somebody, somebody from Fairview Park or other organizations, uh, to discuss that. Uh, one other note, um, what a wonderful piece that was just shared, uh, by my friend Daniel Horowitz. Uh, I'm going to get Daniel on the air tomorrow as well because I saw this during the last news break. Daniel Horowitz has, um, called for President Trump to make a decision on 2020 not about the census any longer, but specifically to talk about the number of migrants that continue to come into this country. We have a cap, and that cap has been something that has been routinely exceeded by uh, um, illegal immigrants because of the efforts of, of, uh, of uh, Democrats, etc. Daniel Horowitz has just put a terrific piece out. The President of the United States should make a determination, the new cap, for migrants to come into the United States as refugees or migrants seeking um, asylum should be zero. Set the refugee cap literally for 2020 at zero. If over one million people are coming straight to our border this year, much of it fueled by quasi-asylum policies, why should we be willing to bring in more people through a separate refugee program? The president should pose that question to the people, then announce a cap of zero for refugee intake in fiscal year 2020. Let the Democrats decide. Do they want the asylum claimants to come in, the phony asylum claimants to come in, or do they want us to continue with the Refugee Act of 1980, granting the president the sole authority to set the annual cap for refugee intake and let the president set that at zero? It's a fantastic piece. It's a fantastic idea. I'm going to post it on social media so that you can read it for yourself and then be uh, aware of what we're talking about when Daniel comes on tomorrow's program. So uh, if you follow me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Parler. Remember, Parler is the new app that uh, people who have been banned and censored by the liberals on Facebook, and more specifically on Twitter, that's where they go. And that's where I've gone. And uh, I'm not posting a ton on Twitter, right I mean on Parler right now, I will admit. I've got to get up to speed on that. But I'm reading a lot of great work from a lot of conservatives who have found their way to that platform because of banishments, suspensions, shadow bans, uh, and censorship uh, from Twitter and Facebook. So, uh, if you are following me on social media at all on any of those, make sure you do it on Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R.com. Search for it in your in your app store or your Google Play store. Uh, but it's France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z. I'll send this story out so that you know what's going on for tomorrow, and we can discuss that. Also, tomorrow, we're going to talk more about, <laughs> excuse me, if my voice holds out, and I can be here tomorrow, by the way. I hope I don't have to, to miss it. But we are also going to talk about the attack on American patriotism in this country as well. There are Minnesota City Council meetings that have been now denied the Pledge of Allegiance. They have canceled the Pledge of Allegiance because it makes some people feel uncomfortable. They're literally in an American city, and all they're being asked to do is, if you don't want to say it, stand by and listen to a Pledge of Allegiance to that country in which that city resides. That is on uh, on its way out in Minnesota and in other, country, or in other uh, parts of our country. And we're also going to talk about, yes... The U.S. women's soccer team, as it pertains to patriotism, why has the soccer team and the massive American company Nike teamed up to specifically insult patriots in the United States? That story continues as well. All right, that's it for today. Really appreciate all of the conversation. Great stuff from uh, uh, Michael Johns from the National Tea Party. Tomorrow, like I said, Daniel Horowitz will be here, and we'll have a little bit more for you as well. Uh, stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's coming up next, followed by Prager, Dr. Gorka, Jay Sekulow, and Larry Elder. Stay here all day and all night for the best conservative news talk in the business, free of buffoonery you get in other places in this city. Until we talk tomorrow, have a great day. Bye-bye.